0: You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthew.3cr.org.au. Become a subscriber and support Radical Radio. Call 03 9419 8377 or subscribe online at 3cr.org.au forward subscribe. going kick all trouble out the door. Beat out old trouble on the drum. Beat out old trouble on the drum. Beat out old trouble on the drum and kick all trouble out the door. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. Beat me that rhythm on the drum and kick all trouble out the door. Kick him out the door. All right, here we go.
1: Welcome to Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR, streaming live, that's right, live folks on 3cr.org.au. Just in case the drug dealer next door knocks on your door and wants a cup of sugar for his meth lab, relax, the program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Kelly, how art thou? I'm going real good. How
0: are you going? You look
1: a bit dishevelled. Is this this what happened?
0: Dishevelled? Yeah. That's a new one.
1: Yeah. Is this because of the party you had for your birthday? Wild
0: parties. Wild parties. Never-ending wild parties. I was
1: told there are pictures you're so-
0: stalking me again, he's stalking me
1: No, I, I, don't, I couldn't be bothered looking at them but You can't
0: be bothered, you'd rather no. look at your reflection in the mirror, right? No, no, <laughs> no, I couldn't
1: even be bothered looking at them Somebody said, look at Kelly having such a wonderful birthday party oh, I did And I was so jealous that I didn't look
2: <laughs> You were jealous that you didn't look
1: I didn't look, no, I was jealous, I was so jealous I, I didn't look oh, I, I get I,
2: you, well, don't be like that Now
1: Kelly, you got us a double act today
2: Double act
1: we have Joe Warback. Joe Warbach, oh. that's right. Well, that's good. I'm glad you know your name. <laughs> and we have Mercedes Zanka.
2: That's me. Hello.
1: Those voices are familiar. Why are your voices familiar? If we heard
3: you on 3CR. You've
2: probably heard both of us on 3CR. You've
3: heard Mercedes regularly and me irregularly on 3CR. Why, have you been banned? No. No, no. <laughs>
1: All right, let's look. Uh, as I said, we've got 56 minutes. Kelly, interrupt if I'm too nasty. And uh, we're just going to be world weary today, I decided. Now, as is the Joe in the studio, I, you can call me Joseph, okay? So people don't get confused. Well, come on, Kelly. <laughs>
0: How ridiculous. Well, people get
1: confused? What about your... um? Me mate outside who did the panel uh, operating while you were doing Giuseppe.
0: your... Giuseppe. Yeah. You'd be Giuseppe and no, you have Joe no. as Joe.
1: Joseph. Let's keep this Anglo-Saxon, all right? Okay. Yeah. Now, Mercedes. Yes. What year were you born? I was born in 1992. 92. And Joe? 84. 84. Was that you t- how come you two know each other? What's going on?
3: A generational shift. Generational shift. Yeah. Did, you, did you know yourself? Mercedes is exceptionally mature for her age. <laughs>
2: <laughs> in some circumstances, perhaps.
1: Uh, now, Mercedes, uh, are you a private school girl?
2: Uh, I was a public school girl, and oh, then, public, not. Oh, and yeah. then I, in for my VCE, I did go to private school under a scholarship. Yeah.
1: A scholarship. What type of scholarship?
2: An academic scholarship.
1: Ah, uh, so it's the old story: the ruling classes yeah. poach the bright kids from the working class and take them to the private school to inculcate them with. Ruling Class Attitudes. Yeah, but it was
2: maybe a nice try, but it didn't really work, given that we're here.
1: It didn't work because, you know, I understand you've got a program on 3CR. What program do you do? Uh,
2: Uprise Radio. What's that? It's a political current affairs and discussion show of sorts. Mm -hmm. It's uh, every second Wednesday at 5.30. So, yeah, we'll be going to air in about an hour and a half, actually.
1: Really? Yeah. That's excellent. And, Char, how did you get involved in all this?
3: All this radio? Well, I've been... Involved in the left since I was 16, really, but hang on, hang on. Since you were 16, since I was 16, so I went so um, you're a left wing progeny, yeah. yeah.
1: I'll, t- <laughs> I'll take that, I'll own that, sure. But <laughs> well, why 16? What, what happened?
3: What happened in 16? I think I read Che Guevara's big biography and then I went to S11. Uh huh. And S11, which I've found out young people don't actually know when I am don't referring know about, to S11, nah, don't know what it know. is, but it no. was probably one of the greatest um, protest moments in melbourne history or australian mm, history mm. and what i saw there changed my life which was people occupying a space completely controlling that space and giving it to the bosses around the world and then and then
1: getting their heads beaten in by baton charge Bracks police department that's right and a lot of injuries a lot of arrests I, I was involved in that but i won't go into that but what i was fascinated was was the media coverage You saw the police wading in with their batons, beating people up, sitting on the ground, and the coverage was violence at S11 by protesters. It was just an extraordinary period. I remember we uh, occupied the stock exchange as part of that protest. Yeah, So, 16. What's a 16-year-old?
3: You should have been at school.
1: What's going on? I
3: was meant to be at school. I (laughs) I left school for a greater purpose. I thought there was nowhere else I should be at that time, and I think I was right. Any children living listening right now if hopefully, you have that feeling hopefully, hopefully the children that are listening are living <laughs> okay i know you're a dad and your son's out there but you know yeah but follow your heart and your gut and if it means leaving school for a day do it what well,
1: obviously you went to a public school did
3: you what i went about? to 12
1: different schools Twelve. What, you're expelled or your parents kept moving? My parents kept moving, yeah. Uh, that's not very good, you know, for your uh, psychological development. Because the proof's in you, the pudding, though. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: because you don't make friends, do you? I've got friends all around. Yeah, from those 12 schools? No, no just exactly. the good ones, though. Just the good ones, <laughs> all right. Mercedes, what do you do for a crust?
2: Uh, at a bar in Preston, actually, ah. with... Uh, fellow 3CR friend of mine, Dusty Reed, whose mum Kate has lazy Wednesday afternoon and it's a funny story actually um, as we were talking about moving through the ranks of the ruling class. Yes. Um, Dusty and I a year ago were given a bar.
1: Given um, a bar. yeah, that's good. That's that we, nice. That Did somebody had. die?
2: Huh? No, no. That was they put out uh, proposals to the community for people who would not mm. otherwise have the opportunity to do mm. something like that, and we mm. put in a proposal and they gave it to us. Yeah.
1: So who gave you the bar? Can you tell?
2: The previous owners, Charlotte, Katie, and James.
1: Right. They had enough. They mm-hmm. wanted, needed some young people to. I mean that Preston crowd. They're just disgusting. I find. What are they like?
0: Keep it positive. No, no, hang on. What just, are you talking no, about? 3CR does
3: reach Preston. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we, we know that. Yeah, that's why I'm asking. You. Quite, so,
1: quite this, deeply, I would say. This is, and this is, this is the whole point. Here I say, this is what's called radio talk. Yeah. Here I say they're disgusting. You come back and you say, no, they're wonderful people. That's yeah, the way it works.
2: They are. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a great spot up there, and I've you mm. know, lived around Reza and Preston mm. um, for a while, and great community. It's really good to know a lot of people and also just, you know, we've now got a platform to have a space for people to come to with friendly faces, with, you know, um, similar politics and to use that space for what we can in the community as well.
1: So what do you use it for?
2: Oh, we have fundraisers. I mean, you know, it's open, it operates as a bar.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but, you know, we have fundraisers there. When we do, we have live uh, some live music, DJs, and just as a place where everybody knows that they can come to and, See a, a friendly face either as someone who's on the other side of the bar to chat to. A lot of people make friends there or for, with Dusty and I as well. Oh. What's the name of the joint? Heart Out. Heart Out.
3: Heart Out.
1: Hmm. What do you think of all this, Joe? I think it's
3: great. I'm, <laughs> have I've you been to the bar? I'm a regular at Heart Out, so I'm you're, okay you're, with you yeah. a regular. And
1: what's, what, what's your favourite drink?
3: Pilsner. Pilsner, right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what's... What cocktails do you make?
2: Oh, plenty. Plenty. Yeah. Are you You'll just at... have to come in and. Uh, oh, come on, have a come on. You. He doesn't drink.
1: I don't drink. Oh, okay. But They'll make mocktails. Mocktails. For yes, old people, course. you know. You make mocktails. Yeah, of course. That's good. You know, us reformed alcoholics, we just can't. Absolutely. Know, go back on it, you know. <laughs> now, obviously, Joe. What happened after sixteen? I mean, you are. You see all this activity. You're only a, you know, young lad. You've been radicalised. That's the terrible word we use these days. You've been
3: radicalised.
1: And what, what happened after that?
3: I was living in the country mm-hmm. an hour and a half from Melbourne, so I was looking for what I could do. And I guess I did stuff with Amnesty International and then with the um, refugee, what's it called, the Resource Centre in Footscray, in Footscray doing, yeah. getting donations for that. And then I went to uni and joined every kind of collective I could that was doing <laughs> radical things. And I was like, uh, well, what what, it, are you guys going to cause trouble? Good, I'll be a part of you. Yeah. Are you guys causing trouble? Good. And that was the kind of, what the height of the anti-war campaign. So that was 2003. Yeah, yeah. Went to Baxter that year. Yeah, what university? Melbourne.
1: There's nobody
3: there that causes trouble. Not anymore.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm not there anymore. I mean, I'm, I'm a graduate. I know. In my days, we caused trouble, but... It, you kids are all consumer-orientated, aren't you? It wasn't easy to find those groups. No, that's I what I thought, especially the collectives. <laughs> yeah. You would have found the Marxists, but the collectives are a bit harder to find. That's exactly what, what, how what, it happened. What drew you to collectives instead of going down a, a Marxist-Leninist line?
3: I didn't say I didn't go down a Marxist-Leninist line. Oh, you did. <laughs> Tell us about
1: it. <laughs> how long did it take you to get
3: disillusioned? I got disillusioned probably about two years after. Yes. and then was on my own for a while. And You're then, an independent activist. You're on your own. You're an independent activist. I was. <laughs> and I found that pretty frustrating with collectives not well, getting you, stuff you done. So I got drawn back to the Marxist-Leninists again because uh-huh. they were doing things. That's and right. that's what I wanted to be a part of. Yeah. And But by that point, I had created more networks and friends and comrades mm. that mm. I could leave them and still get stuff done. Yeah, it's a huge issue, collectives and how
1: they make decisions. You know, huge issue. I'm, I'm a great believer in uh, consensus bar one. Because if you get one person who's got to be in their bonnet or a personal issue of somebody else in the collective, as you said, the collective becomes paralysed. Mm. So what type of decision-making processes is
3: in the collectives you're involved in? There was a lot of clicking back in those days, yep. which usually I clicked my way out of those collectives. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But I think times times have changed. There seems to be, like the collectives that are, are going on now, less formal collectives, mm. um, do seem to have less formal decision-making processes yep. and do f- seem focused on um, prioritising the cause mm. Mm. over the nitty-gritty, which is going to cause problems down the line in different ways. Um, mm. But I think there's something to be said yeah. about focusing on getting the job done. Yeah, I assume you've read that... Uh Wonderful piece on the
1: tyranny of structurelessness, have you, from the 70s?
3: I actually haven't. I do know of it, but I haven't read it. Have a look at it,
1: yeah, because, you know, you do need structure. You can have collective decision-making and have structure at the same time. A lot of people think that's impossible, but that's the story. Now, Mercedes, I can see you're bored. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) So before you got into this social enterprise, we won't call it a private enterprise, we'll mm-hmm. call it social enterprise in Preston. What was it, Hard Out or something? more mm. m- m- that name? No.
2: Yeah. I mean, oh. I mean, to be honest... <laughs> Uh, the, yeah, uh, You need to be honest. I'm, I'm being honest. You know, obviously the, the bar is in the way we make a cross, but um, I think that it is also a platform that allows us to be able to do the work in the community outside of that too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, understanding its uh, position as knowing that we have a privilege of, of stability a relative, you know, um, of stability. So you're able income. to
1: pay. You're able to pay the bills, basically.
2: Yeah, and then mm. also, you know, having one a uh, in employment, um, and being able to have uh, some leeway in terms of with that stability of mm. being able to be available for mm. um, action and community things and the other things that we we do outside of that place as well and so, so that's so, really so what
1: drew you i mean you know joe was interested. In, you know you know color and action at 16 but what drew you into a uh, left-wing progressive collectivist type of politics
2: um i grew up in a pretty small country town when i was there oh, um, how many people uh, 10,000 that's
1: not small that's huge well
2: I mean I've also lived in about 500 people that's but better, you know yeah. at the time but you know out of town there mm. um, and I was really fortunate there to have a great mentor um, a then, mentor a mentor
1: now somebody was grooming you
2: no absolutely <laughs> not Someone I'm not talking
1: about that type of grooming I mean you, you were radicalized. A mentor what was the um, I'm someone was who
2: was very supportive in looking at the project so the the demographic the the, the place of the town that uh, right. the town that I lived in was was right. incredibly white um, in mm. terms of mi- migrants yep um and but is and he has a large first nations population as well um and so you know pretty being pretty aware of growing up of the disparity of that with mm. my classmates and seeing mm. how that happened and um and just the being aware of how the town kind of operated um, and as a child seeing that too at school. Um, So, yeah, I did have the opportunity from it being next door to my mum's work where I would go and, you know, hang out after school before Mm. we went home out of town Mm. um, uh, to have a mentor called Glenis who Mm. really fostered any projects that, um, young people wanted to do through a, a youth program. So, you yeah. know, there was publications of stories of migrancy and people's yeah. experiences in the town. Um, you know, it being a, a country town, the racism was pretty um, mm. apparent. Yeah, we um, kind
1: of... People don't understand that, uh, especially in the kind of smaller communities. you've got caste systems and you're basically stuck... Because of ethnicity, mm. whether you're First Nations, mm. whether you've got a different religion, but there's these castes. People can be polite, they can be nasty, but it's very difficult to break out of that system. But I think it's changing. Do you think it's changing in small country towns?
2: Um, I guess so. It depends. As soon as I finished school, I got out of there. So
1: well, that's, that's, a normal, <laughs> that's the normal story, isn't it? Yeah. Kids finish school and they come to the big smoke. So you finish school and you came to the big smoke. Mm-hmm. What did you do in the Big Smoke?
2: Uh, I studied for a year after being overseas. Uh, excuse um, me, where w- you go? Home. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I travelled a little bit around right. and then went to uni and mm. then dropped out after a year. and then. What,
1: what were you doing? Uh, I at was uni.
2: At uni. Yeah. Um, I was doing an arts degree majoring in international politics.
1: Not at Melbourne Uni like Jo.
2: Correct. I dropped out after <laughs> a year though.
1: <laughs> 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 yeah, you obviously you didn't drop out, did you?
3: No, I took my time, though. What,
1: six yeah. years for a free year course?
3: No, five and a half. Five
1: and <laughs> a half. That's excellent. Right. And so Mercedes, Letting
0: it all soak in. Yeah, <laughs>
1: exactly. You, you want to know what's going on. So you had all that activity, and you know, trying to find those collectives, and then you are an independent activist. Now, Mercedes, when you came to Melbourne... You did come to Melbourne, did you? From the country town? Was yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So I went to another school and and you know sort of worked and mm. while I was in high school, developed programs with the refugee community in Shepparton and things mm-hmm. like that. Just seeing seeing the disparity and mm. um, and how that was happening. And so I guess that was um, talking to people so you're there from, and the you know you're, and the experiences. You're from Shepparton. Etchua.
1: Etchua. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a little bit much, a little bit more sophisticated than Shepparton. Why do you say that? (laughs) There's tourists. (laughs) 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 Yes, they know. It's always really
0: good weather in Uchuka. Well, there's two
1: Uchukas. There's two Uchukas. There's There's the tourist Uchuka and then there's the real Uchuka. Mm. You know, I hate to tell you this, I live up that way, so be polite. Oh really? Yes. Whereabouts? Can I ask? No you can't. They <laughs> <won't> tell you. <laughs> I've got to protect myself. I have my, it's interesting, I mean Shepparton is a microcosm of Melbourne. It's brilliant, it's a fascinating place but everybody's got their place. So when you first came to Melbourne what was the difference?
2: Uh, the difference?
1: In, in terms of lifestyle for you?
2: Oh, I mean I was kind of studying, probably partying,
1: Partying.
2: Well, I mean, maybe about the, the <laughs> same amount, but just getting to to know a city that I hadn't right. really had that much exposure to prior to that. I didn't ever really come to Melbourne that much, mm. um, so just finding my way around, I guess, mm. and getting to know people because mm. um, you know not a lot of people that I knew from school um, were in Melbourne. Right. So and um, finding out what what programs and things that I could involve myself in that it was similar to what I'd been doing and what I cared, cared about. Right. So,
1: How about social circles and political circles? Did you start getting involved then or later on?
2: Uh, on There was probably a bit later on. Um, I Political circles, I guess, I was involved in doing more community work and um, you know, homework clubs and things like that um, rather than uh political active circles that came when i came back to you know when i came back to study again that i was sort of on the
1: hang on hang on you came back to study you dropped out and then you came back
2: and then i came back yeah what
1: did you come back for
2: i don't know because i felt (laughs) like maybe i was ready for it needed (laughs) to articulate myself
1: and so did you finish the arts degree or did you do something else
2: i did i did international studies at rmit after that
1: right Mm. nicer place
2: yeah, I think I was probably more ready to study at that point. But, yeah. um, you know, yeah. around then was uh, I was commuting to uni from out of town at that point. So, you know, on the periphery of Bendigo Street campaign. Um, and that's, you know, when um, probably more involvement and, and what, getting the, more wh- into yeah. um, the, I guess, the radical politics more mm. so and you know as the scenes i was studying i've been doing you know mm. i had been researching yeah. as part of my uni um mm. but yeah i was on the periphery of the bendigo street campaign through friends but having been commuting um
1: so that was your radicalized mo- moment was it
2: uh i think it probably came before that to pinpoint a radicalizing moment is probably a little bit difficult i think it was probably more of a a long game Over, of
1: long yeah. right fair enough now joe we haven't forgotten about you relax so you got your degree and how did you make a crust after that?
3: I don't think I did make much of a crust. <laughs> you after didn't make much that. of a crust? <laughs> I went, um, no, I, I didn't. You're, you're not a professional protester, are you? No, professional protesters get paid. Exactly, they? that's they what get I get paid. Yeah. yeah,
1: I've been called professional protester. I said, no, no, I've never been paid.
3: I do it voluntarily. But if there's that job going. <laughs> yeah, uh, both of us will apply. The two, I did. The I two did. Shows. I went and did honours, and I was going to do a PhD after that. Uh-huh. And then I decided I needed. A backup plan which was to do teaching so i did a teaching degree and what was that like did you do it uh, through melbourne uni or i did it through southern cross university i got one of the last dip eds in australia (laughs) to go up there instead of doing a two-year masters i got (laughs) one of the last one-year dip eds eds. right yeah Yeah. and have you been teaching i've been teaching on and off in that time yeah and what's it like it's good it's great kids are still great like i i think You go away from it and you worry that social media and screens and all that has changed them a lot. Mm. Um, But the human in the teenagers is there as much as ever, and they're not ruled by their phones. The social interactions aren't that different. The curiosity of children isn't that different. Um, I think for me, that shows kind of the strength of the human spirit, despite the onslaught that these children have had, that... um, they're still as human as other generations were.
1: Yeah, I think that's the mistake people make. They say, you know,
3: every generation says the next
1: generation is the lost generation. We were the lost generation in the 60s and our parents were the lost generation, you know. It goes on. And but on.
2: who is up to that to, you know, determine who is lost? It's like, ah, all the children are the it's future. It's a previous huh? generation yeah. that
1: determines because they're jealous mm. of their newfound freedoms because they had it rough. And we've got all these newfound freedoms. That's my experience. I mean, they would have loved to have our life in the 60s and 70s. I'm sure they would have loved to have, you know, the life the kids have today. I mean, look at the expanse of knowledge they're actually exposed to, as well as the expanse of nastiness, you know. It goes Mm. both ways. So did you do any teaching, Mercedes? No. No, that's a short
2: answer. (laughs) (laughs) Formal, no, no, yeah. I don't do any teaching. Uh, well, no. you do.
1: You, you're running this hard-out bar. You do. You are teaching. You're teaching people.
2: Yeah, I'm, I mean, I get it. Well, you are. You
1: are. You're looking after people.
2: Yeah, but I think more um, transfer of knowledge and skills and things like that by hmm. the work that you do, you know, and the things that you do is, um, if we consider teaching in that way, which I guess is what it is. Not in a formal sense, perhaps.
1: We're all teachers at 3CR. Mm. That's why we do programs, because we're teachers. We're we're putting forward ideas. Whether people take them up or not is a different matter. (laughs) Most people (laughs) don't. But we are teaching. What do you think, Jack?
3: Absolutely. I've learnt a lot listening to 3CR. Have you? I've been taught listening to 3CR. Yeah, well, I've I've been
1: told by people that I radicalise them over the years, including a a good friend of (laughs) Kelly's. That's true. Yeah, he, his life was ruined.
0: By <laughs> listening to Anika's World <laughs> this week. That's right, Paulette. How long has it been going now? Uh, 45 uh, years, is that right?
1: 46, I think. That's I can't pretty remember. wild. Well, no, not really. It's a wasted life. But that's a different story. <laughs> We're here to talk about the guests. I don't want to be interviewed. You know that, Kelly. <laughs> One day you'll do it, but not well, today. Well, as I said to you before, I'm, right.
2: I'm not sure of it being the... <laughs> Being interviewed rather than the interviewer, it's a strange position to be it Well, is, it is a strange
1: position because I can I can ask you any question I like, and you know, it's live. I don't have to answer it exactly, yeah, but tight. it's still live, yeah. and it puts you on the spot. And you be, mm. it's, it's a little bit like you know when the doctor becomes the patient. Mm. You know, you begin to understand what it's like to be on the other side of the operating table, and so I think it, it's it's a good experience. I do recommend it to people. To yeah. mm. so so Joe, what are you doing these days? apart from
3: I actually teacher. just returned to teaching for the first time in a while.
1: Well they're begging you to return. They're offering you bonuses and
3: it's pre- the I really I've never thought that the pay is the issue. It's the <laughs> workload is the issue. Right. Like teachers aren't doing it for money, so the push and I think that's a problem with the union mm-hmm. in making money the issue when really it's the workload that's the issue. Like, so 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 what are the issues as far as you're
1: concerned regarding the workload?
3: I think it's quite simple that they changed full time to being 0.8, so reduced the whole workload by 20%. Then teachers would have more time
0: for preparation, no, no, no. meeting with
3: yeah. meeting with families, mm. one-on-one time with students, so, so what researching, are the... so they actually know what they're talking about. Like teachers mm. are meant to be experts, and they're given no time to be experts in what they're teaching.
1: Yeah, no, I want to go back to the beginning of the question. What are the main issues? that you face as a teacher? I know time is an Uh, issue, but can you actually compartmentalise? I cannot, because I
3: I had my first day teaching today (laughs) in a long time, so (laughs) I'm not actually best placed to speak for teachers in that, and I didn't have any issues today. Um, Uh, I mean, the things I hear is people say, you know, I'm
1: I'm not just expected to be a teacher, I'm expected to be a social worker, a welfare worker as a teacher.
3: Yeah. And I think teachers have always had that role in society. I don't, I think the issue is more that teachers today don't have the same time that teachers used to. So those responsibilities are greater than they used to be. There's more mental health problems and issues for young people than there was in the past. Mm -hmm. And teachers to get the training they need is really hard to find the time. And to get the time to sit with those students and those families is near impossible. It's a Mm trade-off. It's like, I can prepare and Some great lessons or I can actually assess and give these students feedback or I can go and do a mental health training. There's Mm -hmm. not time to do everything. So that's why for me, I always talk about just reducing the workload so that they can do all those things because teachers are really well-placed to do the kind of work that social workers do. The relationships they have with students is exceptional. Students trust them and they should be able to talk with them and talk through some of the issues with them. So it doesn't mean teachers replace social workers and are experts in that field um, but they play they do play a lot of that role by the nature of the relationships with young people right are you teaching primary or secondary secondary at a public school at a public school. Oh, i'm sure you are at a public <laughs>
1: school come on joe i would i, would, I wasn't even going to ask that question it's different i find that a lot of radical activists I uh, interview they've all they've been to private schools they've had different experiences and then they you know, but obviously
3: I have been to two private schools briefly. Yeah,
1: briefly, and then you were expelled, I assume, Jay.
3: Never expelled. Never expelled. <laughs> no, <laughs>
1: he's a goody goody two shoe. <laughs> what do you reckon we say? He's a goody goody two shoe. He seems very focused, and I don't get caught. Is he well. don't yeah.
0: get caught? Right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> very good. <laughs> They're the best goody good two shoes.
0: Excuse me. We're halfway through. Let's uh, remind folks. Oh, what's yeah. Going this on. is
1: See, this is what happens when you've got a producer. It's Radical Australia. It's Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. We're chatting. We don't do interviews on Radical Australia with Mercedes. I've got to get this right. Zanka and Joe. I can't even see your name. Joe Warbuck. How's that? It's not great because it's law back with an L. Law back. <laughs> Thank you, Mercedes, for yeah. I, I Law lawback. Law Where's
0: your glasses? You haven't got your glasses on. No,
1: I've lost them. That's, that's <laughs> the trouble. I couldn't even read what I wrote. But that's what happens when you get old, you see. When you're young like you, you're full of enthusiasm. And then old age creeps up on you. You can't see, you can't hear, and then you can't think. And also, we've got the world's greatest producer, Kelly Whitworth, with us today. So... And the program is podcast, and you'll get pictures of our guests on the Instagram that oh, Kelly really? runs. Yeah, yes. Yes. we have the best Instagram on Radical Australia. We've got hundreds of pictures Looks of fascinating people. Yeah, Kelly, I know you're wonderful. All right, you don't <laughs> have to tell people that. Oh. So Mercedes,
2: yes, Joseph,
1: <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Very good. See, she knows how to deal with troublemakers at the pub. People are under the weather, you know. She's very good. I'm impressed. So if Castlemaine is North Northcote, what's Preston?
2: Preston? <laughs>
1: <laughs> is Preston becoming Northcote?
2: Oh, I mean, you know, the... the Gentrification is spreading um, and that is a reality. There's sort of, we have a lot of discussions around the community about gentrification um, in the area um, and obviously being in a a place in the community that we're on, we're on the border of Preston and Reservoir um, and just maintain that we're for everybody and obviously you get people who come in and try and wax lyrical about how good it would be to build up the area but we always make the... uh, You know, obviously understanding that we are a part of that as well, but also Mm. just try and bring in that um, what the reality of that looks like and that's something that we need to be aware of and we're pushing people, you know, that, that, that will mean gentrification and pushing people out of their homes that they've lived in for a long time. So we need to, you know, always try and push back against that and support the community that has been there for a long, long time.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting area, Preston and Reservoir, because obviously there was a high uh, migrant intake in the 50s and 60s. And it's interesting that Preston and Reservoir, especially the Reservoir, they've got the h- highest number of old age pensioners in Australia. Oh, wow. Mm, it's ast- but you see it. You see it there. Do you see many old people coming to the pump or will they just ignore you?
2: Uh, every now and again, I guess, where you see more older people would be at places like Preston Market and yep. those kind of places mm-hmm. that have mm. um, that become a, a part of, of the fabric of that community where people have been going and have their um, routines of what they do um, o- over the time. But, yeah, that's that's definitely... A, a part of it, and you know, you know, only have to drive through a few of the streets to see the beautiful manicured gardens that's and, right. yes. um, and fruit and vegetable gardens that mm. are there all the time to get a get a feeling for that. Yeah. Mm.
1: So, were you involved, hard edge involved in the Preston Market um, struggle, or
2: uh, both as supporters and personally, mm. um, as a, as a supporter? Yeah.
1: And so, what do you think of the compromise that's uh, come about?
2: What is to
1: what's re- happening now? Yeah.
2: In terms of just what is happening, can you uh, tell
1: me? As far
2: as I'm aware, is that they're keeping some of them and still building the apartments with the market underneath. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it still takes up the things you have to. You know, that is important to consider about the Preston market is when, like, when they destroy that car park. Yes, we want to encourage people to um, take public transport and more environmentally friendly. But look at the demographic of the people that use that market, and it's people who might not, you know, have the the capacity to get on a tram or, you know, or no, a bus or anything no like that. And mm. that's, you know, when you when you get rid of that, that's a large demographic of the people who have been going to this market for a long time. Um, and... You know, we all know about the developer and the owner of the land of a Preston market and what he thinks about it and, mm, you know, mm. the, the slimy ways in which they've campaigned to try and as a, appear as if they're acting on behalf of the traders and things like that, whereas, you know, it's clear that that's not the case for all of the traders. That's right, right.
1: You know, 2,000 apartments. Now, Joe,
0: mm.
1: how did you survive your first day at school? Mm. Today, today, as a day. teacher.
3: Oh, it was great. Uh, it was great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. You bonded. I bonded, yeah. yeah. So They
1: didn't throw paper pains at you? No, I no. just,
3: just talked to them about how in a lot of cultures, teenagers of their age are actually respected as adults, treated yeah. like adults and given yeah. the responsibility of adults and yeah, oh, I'm carrying going to treat them guns, in a similar yeah. way.
1: Yeah, carrying guns and being involved in um, arms. struggle. Carrying guns, yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah.
3: And what what do you teach? English and humanities. Hum- What's Humanities. That's history, legal studies, geography. So different. they put it all into one. Yeah. That's terrible. I don't want to give them too much information. To
1: Otherwise do...
2: they might get radicalised.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, you, you'd never radicalise anybody, Joe. You're just too pleasant and polite. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I get away with it, see? Exactly, that. <laughs> Goody two-shoes. They're the worst, aren't they, Mercedes? The worst. Oh, I don't know if I, I mean, I look at Mercedes them. and she's got a Palestinian scarf on and a Palestinian flag on her pants, and I look at Joe and he just looks brilliant, brilliant, sensible shoes, sensible dark shirts, sensible pants, short hair, a little bit of grey, a a bit of of greyness, but you know, you're doing well, you're the worst, aren't you? In the
2: best way.
3: In the best way, yeah. I'm the kind of person that's allowed to go to the tennis, (laughs) (laughs) for the movement that's not a bad thing. Yeah, yeah,
1: did you you pay your 800 bucks for the men's singles finals? I was at the women's singles,
3: actually. The women's singles. And what happened? Uh, what happened was I was there with a friend, and I'm not really into the tennis, and found myself at the final. Um, you found yourself at the final? I found myself at the final. Amazing. Yeah, despite my... Well, the, the way sport. you look, I obviously look like a tennis coach to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and was waiting for an interesting point in the game, because mm-hmm. I had a few things... To share with the audience. Uh-huh. That's nice. Um, and the second set, the underdog player mm-hmm. was about to break back, and I, I could feel the tension in the air, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and the eyes focused on the court. Mm-hmm. And we decided to stand up and raise the Palestinian flag, and very quickly shout "Free Palestine" before they, they cut us off, which yeah. apparently was heard um, on some stations. Not everywhere, but mm-hmm. a number were. And then we were taken away and. Um, wearing our Free Palestine shirts, slammed up against the glass so that all passers-by could see, pressed firmly (laughs) against the glass, (laughs) T-shirts saying Free Palestine and Mm. security guards holding Palestinian flags. So uh, then the police came along and were pretty disappointed that we were still promoting our cause. Mm -hmm. They pushed up against the glass. And then we were banned. Um, Banned. From the rest of the tournament, which was pretty hard to deal with, I'm still digesting that. Oh God. you were banned the, from the whole,
1: Australian Tennis Open.
3: The whole 2024 oh, Joe, Australian
1: Open. Yeah, Joe, you missed the men's finals. I did <laughs> miss the men's finals. <laughs> I mean, the, the minimum ticket was 800 bucks. You know, it's called, you know, you know, legalized scalping. Have you heard of that?
3: I have heard of that because I
1: mean. that's that's what the tennis is legalized scalping. The fewer the tickets, the higher the prices. It's just extraordinary, isn't it? Not fixed price for the finals. I can't believe that you found the money to get into. Was your friend? Uh, could you get me a ticket for next year?
3: <laughs> My friend in that situation was the community, so
1: yeah.
3: big <laughs> respect to the community. <laughs> all, right, all right.
1: So I've got to go to the bar.
3: That would and be the starting mate, point. Yeah. yeah. Make <laughs> myself
1: known, buy a few drinks, and you know. So,
3: all right. Okay. I know I understand as it was.
1: So how much did it cost? Four hundred bucks.
3: No, we we had to get good seats because we wanted to be heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and, I think and they were heard. Yes. I think it cost 1700 for two tickets. Whoa, you're in. So there. And was, that's the, the women's final. Were, that was the women's final and we was just looking around at the people. I was yes, just like yes. I've never seen these kind of people. No. I was like what do they talk but, about? We were <laughs> trying to We are a bit <laughs> nervous. but We were trying to just see what they actually talked about and what well, their lives looked about, like a little bit. Well, they talk about that. Pretty right? boring. What was the
0: reaction in the crowd?
3: The reaction, I didn't hear it because I was so bent on yeah. still chanting Free Palestine and Cease Fire, but the reaction was a lot of booing. And as soon as the booing stopped, then people, other people in the crowd, at least two other people, chanted Free Palestine. Yeah. And one of those has contacted me and said, as soon as you guys left, I had to so, chant Free Palestine mm. as well. So yeah, yeah. that was the second time we hit the tennis in that week. Yeah. Mm. Um, the other right. one was an action I've, we've never done an action that's got so much worldwide media attention Mm -hmm. which for us was a really special thing that we knew it was reaching people in Palestine um the moment just after we did it so me and I think Mercedes is not shy about this me and Mercedes um (laughs) drove past with the speakers raised up on the back of our utes with the sounds of war and chanting free Palestine while people inside did their actions and then we got to, I got to Hoddle Street and I saw this car race up next to me. And I was like, oh no, Zionists, quick, do the windows up. And the windows wound down on the car and it was a Palestinian family. Mm. And they saw everything and heard everything and they raced up so they could thank us.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it happens. and people don't realize that. So it takes a bit, it takes courage, but more than courage, it actually takes imagination.
3: Yeah, I Mm -hmm. think that's a big problem,
1: and and, and that's the thing about a lot of activism is very pro-forma. You know, you chant, you march, you go Mm. home. So that type of thing is, you know, it shows imagination. But
3: it's it's a cycle as well. I think mm. the more you do actions like that and are part of creative actions the more the ideas come to you and your imagination because you start to believe that you can that's do that's right that's yeah,
1: right I, I absolutely agree yeah. with that yeah. look, look at the uh neo-fascist toy boys you know in their little black balaclavas <laughs> you know <laughs> i understand i mean i was very upset for them you know i mean they went to sydney most of them were victorians they went to sydney to get some photo ops on australia in front of the opera house and the Sydney Harbour Bridge and never came to fruition. It's very sad. At least your action was positive and it was for a good cause. And you actually got the publicity.
2: They also just thought they could be big and tough on some empty streets, I guess. <laughs>
1: well, it all depends on the police. I could tell you a story about Ballarat, but I'm not going to bother. Now, Mercedes. That's nice. Yes? <laughs> it's a cool. joke. Yeah, oh. she was being facetious. <laughs> Just, that's that's her role. <laughs> Robert, what we forget is when we're on radio, it's a show. Mm-hmm. You got an hour. You got to fill it. It's live. You need to keep people's attention. Mm-hmm. So.
2: Oh, so I've got to keep talking? Is that what you're telling me? I
1: think it's time for Mercedes to sing the song, isn't it? <laughs> what song? <laughs> I don't do, you, do that to me. Do you, do you sing Mercedes? <laughs> no, I don't. You we do in it. We do not allow music on this program oh. unless the person has a talent for it. So, no, Joe, no. it's your turn.
3: Yeah, so I can select the talent very well. Come on, while. come I've on. Got I wonderful want, ears. We want you to sing. That's not going to happen because I really believe in this show and I want <laughs> listeners to stay tuned. <laughs>
1: No, 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 no. We, look, you asked Mercedes. You should be able to sing. Sing something. You, you must know something.
3: I do know some things, but I'm not going to sing now. I'm not going to sing. Quite a croaky throat after my first day of teaching and well, my screaming. screaming on the weekend. <laughs> I was going well. <laughs> to say, I think it's, Scream at the weekend.
1: So, any future plans for yourself, young Mercedes?
2: Uh, continue working, you know, and doing stuff alongside this guy. I think we, you
1: know. You're a collective of two.
2: No, we're a collective of quite a few. Um, right, and and, and
1: has, has it got a name, or is it a private affair?
3: No, so it's Renegade Solidarity Audio Force is the main thing that we're working. So what's with. that again? What's that again? Renegade Solidarity Audio Force, and to understand where that name came about, it's from Solidarity Sound System, which is a reggae sound system that I built um, and started using for protests and you know trying to blast the Nazis away in Saint Kilda with it, mm-hmm. or putting on the back of trucks and mm-hmm. um, making noise around the city and with renegade activists who I've been doing direct action with for a long time so what's so, a long time since I was 16 oh with <laughs> renegade activists probably since I was 23 so, so that 23. would be 16 years
1: so so what type of actions uh, you, that you can tell us about you've been involved in that uh, you find you found uh, empowering
3: oh I, well the sound system ones have been particularly empowering where we put mm. the um, sound system on the back of a truck and go through the streets so we did a couple of actions um, for Assange and others driving down Sydney Road and down Smith Street um, playing music really loud a big part of it is playing music um, and chanting and educating people on what was going on and the responses from the crowd and now we've done that with the Palestine motorcades we've done three of those and the responses of people running out of their houses with any sign of Palestinian support they can find um, and coming onto the streets. The older members of the community, um, especially older Middle Eastern people that have rushed out, and it looks like this is the first sign that Melbourne actually cares. That's the eyes that we see, and the smiles, and blowing kisses. So that's really empowering, and it is also taking over the streets for that time. I think whenever we um, claim that space in the streets, which happens a little bit less these days. People are more used to negotiating with police and asking police if we can do this. Um, but I think it's really hmm. empowering for everybody and for people to see that we can just take over those spaces. They're community spaces, they're not oh, that's state right. spaces. Yeah,
1: I used to belong to a, a group, most of our members are now dead, called the Wednesday Action Group. And every Wednesday, we used to take over public space because, as you know, most public space has now been privatised, like Federation Square is run by a private entity on behalf of the government. If you go to Southern Cross Station, that's run by a private organisation. And uh, the only public space is 90 centimetres of footpath. So we had all these actions over 20 years to reclaim space. You're quite right. It's exceptionally important to reclaim that public space because most of us, even the law courts are privatised. The county court... Private property doesn't belong to the state government. Mm. It's been privatised. We used to do protests there about, you know, and then you kind of fight your way in and all the stuff. But you're right. You take back public space Mm -hmm. because that's essential because we've lost everything in that regard.
2: And also, the, you know, that public space in terms of the physical space, but also Mm. by amplifying voices and noises, it means Mm. like, you know, you kind of can penetrate areas that you can't by just visually or anything like that. And that's something that we've been doing, you know, at, at Park Hotel... Um, mm. Protests and um, other, you know, refugee actions and out at Migrant Detention Centre as well. Mm. And it's just ta- taking up that space and also connecting people through music um, mm. and, you know, getting getting that message out there and amplifying that message out there into into
1: so the I, air. I assume it's a closed collective because obviously there'd be uh, security issues.
3: Oh, depending on what we're doing, um, it really is about. The, what, the way we organize is the people involved uh, making the decisions. So now we have a big group um, of people working with us and those people that are working with us helping us set up in the mornings then they're making decisions of how we run things that day. So we're doing the Palestine rallies every Sunday and a lot of new young people have been involved in that and we're not excluding them from any right. decision-making process that they're involved in those actions with. Um, mm-hmm. For something like you know, the tennis actions where only a few people need to know, um, then we do that do it that way so it is kind of a need to know basis but it's also if if you're taking on responsibility then you have a right to take part in the decision making process as well so we don't have a membership for those people or anything like that um it really is if you're there and doing the work yep um and you broadly agree with um our approach to things then you're with us yeah, mm. well, sounds like the old Wednesday Action Group. <laughs> we had no formal
1: membership. People turned up every Wednesday and we decided where we were going to go. And we didn't need a PA. We had some people whose voices were so loud they used to get arrested. Oh, now, I'm I not mean, joking.
2: Fantastic about the loud voices, not about the arrest.
1: They did now. There should well, be statues yeah. to them. Now, your program. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not your program.
2: No, I co-host it with James Brennan. Who? James Brennan. Never heard of him. Oh, okay. No, I'm really, just joking. I know joking. you're joking. <laughs> how long have you been doing it for? Uh, I think it's almost, uh, it'll be three years this year, I think around no. April or May, it'll be three years.
1: So, how did it all start?
2: Uh, so, initially, Jackson and James um, started the program, I'm not, I think in 2019, perhaps, or, or 2020. And then um, soon after, they asked me to come and join as a co host and to organise the shows, and never look back.
1: So when's it on? Wednesdays.
2: Every every second Wednesday, yeah, at mm, 5.30.
1: 5, 5.30. And mm. have you got an editorial policy? Uh,
2: not really. I mean, we have... Uh, I mean, in
1: terms of content.
2: Of content. Um, I mean, I think we both, like James and I, both have uh, similar ideas about what to do on the show. I think, you know, for me it's important that obviously there's um, to to amplify actions and things that are going on so people kind of know, or, or certain political events, um, you know, like as an example, you know, speaking to people with floods in Lismore, when that happened, the release of the IPCC report and getting different perspectives on that. Um, over, you know, the last, Four months, um, a lot of what we've been playing is just replaying the speeches from the rallies on Sundays that we record because we do the sound that we record from the desk um, and amplifying those voices um, a lot more. Mm -hmm. Um, So, because I mean, you know, in the last four months, particularly when you're talking about the genocide of Palestinians, there's not really much to analyse except just to hear from people themselves, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, just in terms of of an analysis that this is what's happening. and, And... so, that, yeah, that's where we've kind of gone for the last few months um, and moving forward, I guess it's just a, a fortnight by fortnight basis at the mm, moment, you know, mm. talking about camp sovereignty that's happening um up there um, in the former King's Domain. Yeah. You know.
0: Oh, yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that for listeners who may not be aware? Uh, mm-hmm.
1: Well, Kelly, they were actually broadcasting this morning. <sighs> yeah, but I was out Live. of town, for well, example, yeah, see, so. you not, you're not just – you're not the only person who listens to 3CR. What I'm
0: saying is <laughs>
1: – It's all right.
2: <laughs> yeah. So there was a, a broadcast. Live broadcast today, um, yeah. Yeah between 11 and 2, mm. um, that can you can go back and listen to it on 3cr.org.au. So that was from yeah. Camp Sovereignty. So on Invasion Day, um, Uncle Robbie, with support from the BPU and other accomplices, um, moved on to, to Camp Sovereignty, which is a former King's Domain, which was um, back in 2006 with Uncle Robbie and Uncle Kevin Buzzacott. Um, they set up and lit the fire there at Camp Sovereignty and so that's been rekindled. There's a fire there. Um, people are staying there to take take that um, space back um, and have so far been there since Friday night. So there's workshops, um, there's education sessions, there's meetings, film screenings. There's mm. a bunch of things happening down there and so if any of the listeners who are here in them um, Definitely get there. And also, if you're listening from abroad, yeah, tune in and find out what's happening because, yeah, it's a really important um, mm. resistance, I guess, and, and ensuring that that, you know, that is a, a burial site up there. So it's a really significant place. Um, and, yeah, just to, to get that land back is, yeah, yeah. is you, the push for that.
1: People just keep listening to 3CR. There's There will be a lot of live crosses while it exists at the minute. So, um, you know, there's a three-hour cross, which is a very... Long mm. time to do a cross. There was some technical issues. That's what we do here. I know, I know. Michaela was Anything complaining you to about. Anything can it happen? Yeah, Michaela was complaining about the computer playing up. Uh, you didn't sabotage it, did you, Joe? No. know. No, no, Joe not was at
0: school of... today. Well, oh, that's what he claims. How do we know? <laughs> true, true, true. <laughs> Remember,
1: he's a goody too. That is. <laughs> that is one of
3: the last things I would ever sabotage. I was up there last night, and for the ceremony. So at sunset, there's a ceremony. Yeah, every sunset. Um, and it's, it's just the right place to be at this time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, pushing back the system, it's on the edge of the city there. And there's a lot of good people that have been involved, a lot of young people that have been involved in the campaigns for Palestine that have been going on. Um, a lot of discussions that need to be had are being had there and it's a space where people feel safe and confident to have those discussions. Yeah, yeah.
1: So have you got any plans for the future, Joe, apart from looking after your family and going to work and paying your taxes?
3: Uh causing more trouble, I guess. Really. No 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 no. no. Oh, that was what I was gonna say.
2: <laughs> Joe Joe,
1: we don't cause trouble. What we do is we address trouble. Other people cause trouble. We try to fix it. That yeah, I'll take that. No no, but, I guess... no, no, but people think you know, they think oh, you're just a troublemaker. You're just on the fringe, you're just on the margins. I I find it I never I never describe myself as a troublemaker. I always describe myself as somebody who's trying to make Positive change against a negative system. Yeah, because people right, they think, oh, he's just a troublemaker, like Mercedes. He's I just guess a I
3: own. I'm happy to yeah. own being a troublemaker. Well, you're not a troublemaker. You are trying to I'm change. Making, I make trouble for the system, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. if no, I'm called no. a troublemaker for that, then I'll hairs, happily Joe. own it.
1: No, no, Big
3: Joe. It's, Big it's,
0: Joe's splitting hairs.
3: Joseph.
1: No, it's it's, <laughs> it's, it, 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 it's it's a n- <laughs> one thing I've always been. What about an agitator? Yeah, that's all right. You can be a washing machine. You can be a washing machine if you want to. But the thing is, the thing is, what we need to be able to do is to break out of the fact that we are fringe and we've been fringe for decades in this society in Australia. And once we accept their terminology, then we push ourselves into a corner. For example, I never use the word welfare. We have a social security system. You know, which was established to look after people if they ran into trouble. It's not welfare; it's a social security system. And if you look at the legislation, that's what it is. And I, I think it's a mistake. Well, this is just my opinion. I think it's a mistake for us to define ourselves as far as they're concerned. I think I'm a much, much better human being than they'll ever be.
3: Oh, I agree, <laughs> I agree
1: with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you may not.
3: No, no, I think you are, and I think I am. Then yeah, those running yeah. the system are absolutely, but I'll call uh, it troublemaker or not, but making trouble for the system is something that I think is really important in this mm-hmm. time. This system very, yeah, resistance. The system is mm-hmm. very confident, yeah. um, but mm-hmm. there is a wave of young people that are starting that see through this, that are hurting from the system and see people hurting from it, and want to change things. And the movement now um, against the genocide in Palestine has brought. A lot of young people giving them confidence to be active and it it is an exciting time and the possibilities of what we do next i don't know but um, i'm going to be there having discussions with everyone and making sure that we are stepping up the campaign Mm -hmm. um not just that campaign but arms campaign environment campaigns we are in a world crisis right now and that means we need to take more radical action. So we'll be mm. working with and having conversations and mm. doing actions with people that also feel that way. Now, Mercedes, would you agree with that analysis?
2: I would absolutely agree with that analysis because I think, <laughs> I mean, the, like, if you look at the discourse, I mean, I know I haven't been around that long, but in terms of... You've been
1: inner, around a long time. Come yeah, on. 30-something. But,
2: oh, like, <laughs> but, you know, and, and definitely the discourse around weapons manufacturing and the arms industry is... Um, you know, in the is much more at the fore, um, and is much more at the front of people's minds. And I think that that's something that is is has shifted, um, and people are more interested and more aware of that's you know how apathetic the government is in terms of what they're doing, and are realizing that you know what what we don't know about that. And I think that organising around that is there is a lot of um, potential to do that, and to to resist and push back against that, um, and also to to hold the state to account mm. um, because, you know, as, as we've heard, you know, anyone who's a, a citizen here is like this is what's being done in our name and that's like, okay, then we have the mm. responsibility to act and to hold them account and to, you know, as, as being complicit in what's actively complicit in what's going on um, and, and Israel attacking Palestine, we have a responsibility to to do that and to do everything we can to stop it.
1: Mm. Look, I, I know you wouldn't be talking to a property manager, but I was talking to a 73-year-old property manager before I came here who would you wouldn't describe as radical. And his major concern is the fact of how easy it is with all the weapons that are around to slip into World War Three. And we're no longer an isolated uh, continent at the edge of the earth. We're part of this globalised system, and we could be sucked into war tomorrow. And that was his concern as a man in his we 70s. You we know, are yeah. involved
2: in a war. Well, mean, yeah, yeah, but I'm
1: just saying us yeah. physically yeah. become Gaza, you know, physically become Gaza and people have forgotten it. And I think mm. more and more people are beginning to realise that, that there's this interconnection and in the fact that you've got these alliances and if you look at the history of how World War I started, you can actually see how all these interlinking alliances can cause major issues. And it's not like the Vietnam War. Where we didn't suffer apart from people who were conscripted, but in terms of us being targets as a people, you mm. know, we're not immune anymore. And I think talking to a 73 year old property manager, mm. and he raised the issue, I didn't raise the issue, I was just talking about the rent. He raised <laughs> the issue, which, which was just fascinating, you know? Yeah,
2: and I think, it, you know, important to note is that um, in. A, in like uh, key points, you know, this is a, a four months, uh, you know, about Palestine has been going for 76 years, but in the last four months, particularly here and the relationships that you form that are based on solidarity and trust um, and getting to know, you know, one another and the people that you're working with really cr- closely, really um, shows what can be possible when, when there is solidarity and trust and at the centre of those relationships and um, and truth about what's, what's happening and um, and knowing that we we show up for each other and I think that, you know, when those relationships are formed it, who, who knows what we're I think we're capable of anything, you know.
1: Oh, I'm sure we are. Well thank you, Mercedes. Thank you, Joe, for coming on Radical Australia. Thank you, Kelly. You guys were
0: awesome. Great crew. Great thank work.
3: Thank you very much are for that. Having but it. they're not our crew. They're their own they're crew. They're their own crew. Yeah, that's it. They're our own crew. They don't crew. need us. They don't need us. And
2: shout out to to the rest of the crew too.
3: Yeah, all the people helping out on Sundays at the rallies and all week. Uh-huh. There's, uh-huh. there's Palestine rallies almost every day now and a lot of our crew are um, assisting with those and helping amplify those. So yeah. it's been a long road and lots of hard work, but it's just the beginning. Now, in the yeah. last 60
1: seconds, I know everybody's interconnected these days. Are there any websites or phone numbers or things you want to leave or get just get people to uh,
3: listen to Rise Up? definitely listen to rise up you'll hear mercedes on rise up there's uh Uprice. renegade uprise <laughs> <laughs> uprise radio yeah rise up um for all the socials there's solidarity sound system uh there's renegade activist uh, sorry renegade solidarity audio force which is where you catch the live streams of lots of the protests that we're part of and then there's renegade dot org very simple mm. yeah
1: Uprise, and
3: RenegadeOctavist.org, you'll find some of the resources we have um, exposing information about the arms trade as well. In half an hour, you'll be broadcasting
1: Mercedes.
2: That is correct.
1: Uh, what's on the program today?
2: Uh, James, on the program today, James has done an interview with uh, one of our comrades over West who did a great action at uh, the cricket a little while ago. Mm. So there'll be um, an interview about that, and I just will give a little quick introduction and a rundown of where you can hear back. So no justice, no sports is uh, a lot of the actions that we've been doing.
1: Good. Thank you, Mercedes. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Kelly.
2: Thank you. Thank you both.
3: Thank you very much for having us. Tune in to Uprise Radio every first and third Wednesday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR.
0: With Jackson and James, we're bringing you the in-depth analysis of what's happening in the world, all in just 30 minutes. You can listen live to air, or you can find us on demand. 3cr.org.au. Stay tuned. 3CR is about community